0: Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to The Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen.
1: We pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. But what if the worst news ever led to the answer to our prayer? It turns out that's exactly what Jesus teaches us in Mark 13. That you can't just get there from here. You have to go through. Well, not everyone has to go through, but planet Earth will go through the worst season ever. Only with Jesus. Only with you.
0: For our next study, we begin a two part study that Pastor Sam has entitled Your Kingdom Come. For the next two broadcasts, we will be looking at Mark chapter 13 in its entirety, and we'll be looking at the prophetic word of Jesus Christ as he discusses the events that will mark what we call the end times, and the things that must happen before he returns to rule and reign. Let's listen in.
1: Back in Mark 11, the people cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They believed... That Jesus was about to establish his kingdom upon the earth. They heralded him as the Messiah. They worshipped him openly and publicly. Hosanna, Hosanna. It means save now. Save now. The disciples thought it was about to happen. I'm certain if they knew it would be over 2,000 years, they wouldn't have spent so much time on where they might, where they might sit in the kingdom to come. They knew they'd be on 12 thrones Judging the 12 tribes of Israel, but they argued over which two could be closest to Jesus. Well, we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But what if the worst news ever led to the answer to our prayer? It turns out that's exactly what Jesus teaches us in Mark 13. That you can't just get there from here. You have to go through. Well, not everyone has to go through. But planet Earth will go through the worst season ever. A time where unless those days were shortened, no flesh would survive. But for the elect's sake, he promised those days would be shortened. Chapter 13, verse 1. Then he went out of the temple. One of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and buildings are here? Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. As it always is with biblical prophecy, this would be fulfilled literally. 70 AD, Titus, a Roman general, brought his armies, besieged the city, and ultimately conquered Jerusalem, burning the city to the ground, burning the homes, burning the temple massacring multitudes of people, taking others as slaves, leaving a few in the land, the poorest of the poor, those with no power and no authority to ever resist the Roman Empire. Well, at this point, verse three says, he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple. It's a beautiful setting. I wish you could be there. Some of you will be with us in January, but you sit there on the Mount of Olives, groves all around, multiple beautiful settings, looking over the eastern gate of the city of Jerusalem. He often went there with his disciples so often that that Judas knew that's where he would be when he brought those. And we'll see it in a week or two when he brought those to arrest Jesus. In any case, they began to ask him questions. Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. Jesus says, not one building will be, be, do you see these? Not one stone will be left upon another. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? Matthew frames this in three questions. I'll give them to you because all three are answered in our passage. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? And Matthew adds, end of the end of the age. Mark asks two questions or records two questions. Matthew records three questions, but Jesus answers all of them. And his answer provides our outline for our season together today for our study together today he describes three coming times in history two of them with the near and a far fulfillment would be the first two would be fulfilled literally and locally the disciples would see many of these things happen but then ultimately we look ahead to those things that can only take place in the end of times why because Jesus returns at the end of that scene and establishes his kingdom upon the earth. He answers our prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, we're going to look at great birth pangs. That's a preparation for what's to come. Then great tribulation. That's the devastation that he describes such as never has been or ever will be again. Then a glorious revelation, the realization of the coming kingdom of our Lord. Jesus answering them began to say, verse five, take heed that no one deceives you. Deception will be a key issue in their day and in our day. Many will come in my name saying, I am he. I'm the one, I'm the savior, I'm the Messiah, they say. And will deceive many. Many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. Beginnings of sorrows, that phrase translates birth pains elsewhere. And it's a perfect description because... Well, here's a summary of what he just said. Mass deception, wars and threats, world wars, nations and kingdoms colliding, earthquakes, famines, pestilence. And here's the question you'll get as you share. Here's what the Lord says is coming. Haven't those things always been happening? Haven't there always been wars and rumors of wars? Haven't there always been famines and pestilence and earthquakes? And the answer is absolutely yes. But that's why he uses the phrase birth pains. That's why he calls it the beginning of sorrows. Because as, well, probably half of you know and many others who were there to be a witness, when the birth pains get closer and closer together and increase in intensity, so there's an increase in frequency, there's an increase in intensity, you know the child is about to be born. Back when I was born, dads didn't hang out for the birth my dad was where most dads would have been down at the local bar waiting for a call they had to use a pay phone and then the bartender would say hey are you Sam Allen and he'd say yeah and he'd go you just had a little boy and then they'd say okay give me the cigars with the blue tag and uh, then go around passing out cigars as he walked back to the hospital to see me for the first time listen when Pam had our first son Nathan I was there. When when we had our second son, Joshua, I was there. And I want to say, though I loved her since I was 19 and she was 16, my respect for her, my appreciation of her, my awe of who she is and what she can endure, it was magnified a thousand times. I don't believe any guy, if God made it possible for guys to have children, and we know he didn't, well, not in that sense, right, to birth the baby, I don't think any guy would say, yeah, sign me up for that. <laughs> not if you've been there. Because there's nothing more intense and more radical. And, and, and so so he's saying, just like that, these things that have always been happening. Oh, world wars. I'm not sure we ever had a world war in the sense that the whole world was basically at war until the 20th century, World War I, World War II, and World War Three. It's on the horizon, you see. So, Some say today, hey, Mother Nature's really upset. Others say, no, this is man-made disasters. They sell a lot of books and make a lot of money off of that. But you can call it what you will, and they can call it what they will. It's happening, and it's happening quickly and with more intensity and more frequency. But he says, in the midst of deception, in the midst of wars and threats and famines and pestilence and earthquakes, and all the rest that accompanies that be. He says, but watch out for yourselves. They'll deliver you up to councils. You'll be beaten in the synagogues. You'll be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. This is literal. It's local. 11 of the 12 would experience these very things. And uh, of course, 11, because Judas takes his own life after betraying Jesus our Lord. But, but they were brought there for what? A testimony. Every trial, every test gave opportunity for a testimony. And we have that today. Because there are many questioning the love of God. That, 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 you know, where's God in the midst of this sorrow and suffering? And I would say he's right here. That's right. He's wherever we are. He's wherever they are. And that's, we need to bring him into every equation and in every situation. Well, he goes on then. And I wanted to remind you first, every generation of Christians has faced persecution. But if you took all those who were persecuted from the first century to the 19th century and you lumped them together, the 20th century, there was greater persecution. More people martyred for their faith in Jesus and their testimony of Jesus than in all those centuries leading up. And I believe the only... Season that could be worse than the 20th century would be the 21st century, but because we know the rapture's coming, well, there's people though today being martyred for their faith. Millions will be martyred for their faith. We won't know those numbers. I'm not sure we'll be worried about stats when we stand before the Lord, but I want to say it's ramping up. And and as Isaiah said, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute light for darkness and darkness for light. That's happening today amidst all the other uh, things that are going down. He he says um, there in verse 11, did I read 9 and 10? Okay, I I better read that then. It's been a a kind of a long week, month, year, decade Watch out for yourselves. They'll deliver you up to councils. Oh, yeah, I did read 10. Thank you. And you'll be beaten in the synagogues, brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. Well, that's happened. That's happening. It's going to continue to happen. We support many missionaries that go out and, and give their lives or at least risk their lives just to share the gospel. Something we can do any day and every day. Well, when they arrest you and deliver you up, he says, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak, but whatever is given you in that hour, speak that, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. I mentioned every trial, every test, an opportunity for a testimony. I have a couple friends in ministry who believe this passage applies to them. I'm like, so what are you doing in your, uh, your study? They're like, I'm, well, I'm teaching over here and I'm going, how many hours are you putting in these days? And they're like, oh, I don't study. I just get up there and wait on the Holy Spirit to fill me and, and speak through me. And, I'm like, and I'm, I'm like, based on what? And they give me this passage. This is when you're arrested and on trial. It's not when you're standing before God's people to feed the sheep and, and share the gospel with the lost. And I just wanna say, I spend more time now Some of that because I'm getting older and the files are harder to access. But uh, I spend more time now in preparation than I did in any other season of my life because you deserve the best that I can give. And I realize it's the word of God, it's alive and powerful. It's the spirit of God that does the real work in every heart. He's the actual teacher. But no one who's sharing God's word should ever take lightly the, the, the opportunity to to stand for him and testify to the truth for our Lord. Well, it's not you speaking, he says. The Holy Spirit will speak through you, and he does. Brother will betray brother to death, a father is child. Children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. There's a lack of, a loss of, natural affection. It's one of the signs of the end times. Betrayal within the family, hatred of believers. And he's saying, listen, just endure to the end. It's it's not a condition. If you endure, you'll be saved. It's really just saying those, those who are saved, well, they're going to be able to endure. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, Let the reader understand. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who's on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of its house. Sounds familiar for some of you, right? Different situation, but driving down that hill, flames on both sides. No one's going back. No one's getting anything. Listen, as as horrific as that situation was, this is worldwide devastation. And he's saying, when it happens, those in Jerusalem... They're in the city of the great king. Don't go in, don't go back. Woe to those who were pregnant and those nursing babies in those days and pray that your flight may not be in winter. The abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, well, it was foreshadowed by a character named Antiochus Epiphanes as he placed an image of Jupiter in the temple back in 167 B.C., So it's clear if something happens, well, 167 plus about 30, so 197 years earlier, that was not the fulfillment of this prophecy, but it's a foreshadowing. It's showing us again what's going to happen and that we can take it literally. There are some things that have to happen, of course, but uh, it will be this prophecy ultimately fulfilled when Antichrist will place his image they're in the temple in Jerusalem and demand that all sacrifice to everyone and anyone, any God, cease and he and he alone be worshipped. Listen, there are some things that have to happen for that to happen. First of all, Israel had to be back in her land. And in 1948, Israel was declared to be Uh, Once again, the the land of God's people promised to Abraham, delivered through Joshua. And uh, well, throughout the generations, they go into captivity in Assyria. They come back. They go into captivity captivity in Babylon. They go back, taken captive by the Romans. But God always brings them back because this is the, the land that he gave them. Um, that they have to capture or had to capture and possess the holy city her holy city of Jerusalem that took place in 1967 the temple has to be rebuilt the priesthood and the sacrifices and the worship of the true and living God restored and listen all that's coming soon why because if they're back in the land, as he promised they would be, if they have the city of Jerusalem, as he promised they'd have to, well, this has to be literal as well. We've been going to Israel. Well, people have been going there for a very long time. I think I had my first trip about 40 years ago, maybe a year or two after that. But, but they began working, I don't know, 30 years ago or more, in something called the Temple Institute on everything they'll need in order to to do the services that that they always did. It's important to note, we approach the Father through the Son. We come through Jesus. They don't believe yet that Jesus is the Messiah. This is why they have to build a temple. This is why they have to reinstitute the sacrifices because they're looking at their access to God and this is what he gave them. Jesus fulfilled it. He makes it unnecessary, but they don't know him. So all this has to happen and will happen, and I believe it will happen soon. The birth pains of the coming tribulation give way three and a half years into Daniel's 70th week, the time of Jacob's trouble. We call it the tribulation. It gives way to the great tribulation The last three and a half years of that tribulation period, that's when Antichrist stands in the temple, demands all sacrifice ceases, that he and he alone be worshipped. A couple other things that we know about him is he will require everyone on planet Earth to receive a mark in their right hand or their forehead and that no one will be able to buy or sell without that mark. Now, I understand, and you do too, why people... 1,900 years ago, and 1,500 years ago, and 1,000 years ago, and well, why people through the centuries say, well, that could never happen. That, that's impossible. That can't possibly be literal. So they tried to figure out what it might mean. But whenever you do that, when you take away what's obvious and literal, though it's impossible, you come up with all sorts of ideas that are less possible because they're not what he said is going to happen. And so, We used to say, well, that's impossible. Now we realize there is nothing too hard for the Lord. With God, nothing shall be impossible. And all he's doing here is saying, here's what Antichrist is going to do. The technology is in place. It started with chipping our pets, not my pets because I value them too much. Don't know what those chips will do to them. But people started chipping their pets. Then they start chipping their children. And all for good reason. Because it's like, well, somebody kidnaps the child or or steals the pet, and then, well, you have access. You you have that tracking device to tell you where they are. Then you know, when you're driving up here or driving around. The further into the Bay Area you go or down south where I'm from, you know that, that Google is tracking every single car. And, and we rejoice in that without realizing it because then they can tell you there's a serious slowdown here. How do they know? Because all these dots are moving and they all stop. And they'll say, pull in here, go down this side street. I've been to some places I would have never visited in my life for sure because Google said go there. And and there's great use of this technology. I'm so grateful for the technology, but you need to know it's not Satan's technology. He just uses it. It's not Antichrist technology. He just uses it. He takes the same thing we're using for good to do evil. So he'll require his mark be put in the right hand and the forehead of every person. And listen, this is important. It says that those who receive his mark and worship him. We'll drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Don't fear that if you have a cousin or a daughter or a child or something that, that, that's you know gotten chipped by their boss. Because that stuff's going to start happening. Not everyone will quit their job to avoid it. Don't fear that they're not going to be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not just about a mark. It's his mark. And it's worship of Antichrist that seals a person's faith and keeps them from the kingdom of God. I'm not saying don't warn people not to take the mark or not to take the chip, because it's pretty likely that's what we're looking at now. Although 35 years ago, we thought they were just going to stamp one of those barcodes on you, and you would like, you know, you go in the store and do this, and then we're a little more... Aware that technology is well beyond all that today. So, so it's an important issue to know that, that everything he says, our Lord says is going to happen, must happen. And though it might seem unlikely or did at one point, now we see it's totally possible. He'll talk in a moment about us being able to annihilate ourselves entirely. I was born in 1950. We were already capable of that. We had enough Weapons that we could have destroyed the whole planet. We used to have to get under our desk at school in case what we were practicing for the nuclear attack. And I'm like, how is going to be under, I was only like six or seven, but I'm like, how will getting under my desk help if that happens? No one ever explained it. They just said, this is what we're doing. So we all did it. Fortunately, we stopped that. Anyway, he says in verse 19, and I just made reference to it. In those days there will be tribulation such has not been since the beginning of the creation, which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. None of what's happened in the past is happening today will compare with what's coming. Because we're talking Sodom and Gomorrah. It's a city, another city, a few others on the plain there. Uh, It's local and literal. But well, we're talking about worldwide destruction, more like the flood, where everything was covered by water, but this next time it will be fire. Discussions surrounding what is going to happen to the world in the end
0: times have made a lot of Christians very nervous and concerned. But Pastor Sam made it clear that the church will not be around for these events because we will have been raptured, and I could not agree with him more. There's a lot of scriptural support for this, and I wanted to leave you with just a couple of references that have always comforted me. First, read 1 Thessalonians 4.16, and you'll read of the event in which our Lord comes for the church and that we are raptured. Now, this is not his second coming as he never sets foot on the earth at this time. He just calls the dead in Christ and all of us who remain alive and belong to him to join him in heaven essentially sitting out the great tribulation as it's not for us. After all, we are not appointed to wrath. Then read 1 Thessalonians 3.13 and you will read of a later event in which Christ does return, but this time we are already with him. This is his second coming, the time foretold when he will set up his earthly kingdom.